It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yards, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are Time to head home for a Monday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rupp with Adam Lundy, and you're connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Big hour on the way. You can stay and be a part of it. We've got Don Fisher, voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, joining us after uh, Don got to call a couple of Big Ten tournament games in Chicago at the United Center. He has returned home and now is prepping for a Friday night broadcast from Albany, New York. They're supposed to get a nor'easter tomorrow. I don't know if that will impact anything as far as the logistics, but uh, everybody should be able to travel, I think, into Albany, New York, but there is a nor'easter storm supposed to hit New England, I think, tonight, tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. I don't follow New England weather that much, but I did hear that there is a major winter storm. It may have been part of those flurries that pass through here today. <laughs> By the time they get to New England, they will have picked up some steam. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that is where Indiana is heading, of course, for the Purdue Boilermakers, not too far to go in Columbus, Ohio. They will be taking on the first four winner of Fairleigh Dickinson and Texas Southern. And you've got a Purdue game starting at around 6.50, 6.55. And then later that night, the Indiana game. And, of course, uh, we're going to be watching the games and we're inviting you to come join us. Because Adam and I along with our morning team of Caleb and Kenny in the morning. We will be at Coyote Creek Bar and Grill on Hillegas Road, and we're inviting you to come join us for Friday night fun on the course. Well, we're not actually on the course. We're indoors. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, but we'll be having a good time watching on their many TV sets. If you haven't been there, remember, it's open to the public, so you can come on in, get a drink, get some uh Get a bite to eat, and they've got plenty of drink specials. Uh, just got, in fact, they just sent me a list of some of the drink specials that they're going to be offering. Oh, yeah. Just for our special party coming up uh, on Friday night. We'll be there starting at 6 o'clock. So as soon as you get out of work, hightail it right on over. Bring the office gang out. Maybe everybody will want to hang out, party, watch Purdue to start, and Indiana to finish on Friday night. They've got uh, aluminum pints. Three fifty each, five for fifteen bucks. Yeah, so you want to bring the gang out for that? Tropical Shamrock cocktail, six bucks. Lucky Irish shot, uh, four dollars. Guinness for five. Jameson five fifty. Irish car bomb, seven bucks. All those will be on special at Coyote Creek Bar and Grill coming up this Friday with thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM. Our watch party six to nine. We will be there, but you're invited to come out and spend the entire night watching the NCAA tournament at Coyote Creek Bar and Grill. 
All right, so I had high school basketball on Saturday, went to Logansport, and uh, got a chance to get there just as Wayne was pulling off the win against Noblesville. What a win for Byron Pickens and the Wayne Generals. They defeat Noblesville 62-60 to to advance to this week's semi-state. Meanwhile, the Kokomo Wildcats, they badungad the <laughs> Northside Legends. Yes, they did. Lori Badunga had probably, what, five, six slam dunks? And basically, they just throw it up in the air. He goes up, grabs it from the clouds, and fires it through. I mean, it. you know, it's one of those that uh, both sides cheer when, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's you're seeing, yeah. you know, you're seeing just a great high school basketball player putting on a show. Uh, but here was the problem for, for Northside. They got Badunga into foul trouble, but the problem is uh, they didn't guard well on the perimeter and left some open shooters and Shane Spear. Uh, he hit a couple of shots for Kokomo and uh, Kokomo did just enough to end up getting the win over Northside, even with Badunga out of the game for, I think he was actually sitting more yeah. than he was playing because he got a couple of fouls early in the first quarter. And then he sat and then uh, came in sparingly the rest of the first half. And the third quarter immediately picked up a third, picked up a fourth, sat for most of the third and about half the fourth quarter before finally being re-entered when I think the game got down to like six or seven points. And uh, and then, of course, Kokomo pulled away and ended up with the victory over Northside. But now it is Wayne onto the semi-state in Class 4A. And uh, they announced the brackets and who everybody is going to play and the locations. And Wayne has to go all the way to Michigan City to play in the semi-state. And they drew the first game. So 10 a.m. Central Time, Wayne will take on Kokomo. There it is. Another chance at the Kokomo Wildcats. And maybe the Wayne Generals learn something by Northside's approach to Badunga. I mean, he got most of his points really in transition. Yeah. When, when he gets in the half court, he doesn't have a whole lot of post moves against double and triple teams. And so you just collapse on him when they throw it into the post. But where he was dangerous was in transition. Because at 6'10", with those long legs, he gallops down the floor. And he doesn't look like he's going fast, but he's running right past everybody. And they see him coming down the court with a clear path to the basket, and they just throw it up there for him. Let him catch it and dunk it through. And he did that a couple of times against Northside. But the Wayne Generals and the Kokomo Wildcats coming up this Saturday in Michigan City. Now, we will be busy because we've got other semi-state action for our area teams. Bishop Dwenger got a regional title. They pick up the victory over Twin Lakes at Newcastle. And so the Bishop Dwenger Saints are advancing to a Class 3A semi-state where they will play at noon up in Elkhart at the historic Northside Gym. Caleb Hatch is going to make the trip to Elkhart to cover the Bishop Dwinger Saints against Northwood. Northwood, the number one ranked team in the state. Well, good luck to them then. Uh, but, you know, don't count against a Matt Kostoff team in March. You said it before. I'll say it again until I can't say it anymore. There you go. Uh, but Northwood has been just locked down defensively. They, you know, I was looking at Northwood's stats. They've allowed over 35 points just once in their last nine games. 
35 points or less in eight of their last nine, and they haven't allowed 50 points in 17 straight games. Wow. Tough to score on. I'll say. And so that will be the challenge for Bishop Dwenger. But, you know, Dwenger can play some defense, too. But it's Dwenger against 25-2, and two, number one ranked Northwood, noon at Elkhart. And we'll have that game for you right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM, presented by Indiana Physical Therapy. And then we'll start the day, actually, in Logansport again. I had no idea when I left Logansport on Saturday night that I was going to be coming back the following Saturday, but here we go. We've got Class 2A semi-state with the Blackhawk Christian Braves taking on Gary 21st Century, and that is going to be Saturday, 10 a.m. at Logansport, and so we'll have the broadcast just before 10 o'clock. We'll have... uh, Blackhawk and Gary, 21st century. And then at noon, we've got Northwood versus Bishop Dwenger. You can hear both those games here at 1380 The Fan on 100.9 FM. And, of course, we'll be updating you on what's happening with Wayne Kokomo as they'll be playing in Michigan City. So a busy Saturday coming up in semi-state basketball. And good luck to our teams that are all advancing and participating coming up this Saturday, 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Purdue Boilermakers make it the double. They win the regular season championship, and they follow it up with a tournament championship, defeating Penn State yesterday. But if you're a Boilermakers fan, you have to be concerned because I think right now there it would be crazy to think that any team is not going to apply tight, trapping, full-court pressure against Purdue. Because nobody can really stop them completely in the half-court offense because they're able to lob it down to Zach Eady and let him go to work. And if you don't have a big 6'10 guy to at least contest him, and a lot of the teams that Purdue's going to play in the early rounds don't have that big traditional post, then your best bet might be to pressure the guards, try to force turnovers before they can be in a position to feed Zach Eady. And so I think Purdue is going to have to expect a lot of full-court pressure because they have not handled it well. They turned it over again against Penn State in a game that looked like Purdue was running away with up, what, 17 points, I think it was, with six minutes left. It got hairy. Got down, I mean, Brandon Newman... When he threw the ball out of the full-court pressure right to a a Penn State player under the basket, uh, that, I think, made it a two-point game with, like, 30 seconds or 20 seconds left or something. Might even might even been a one-point game. I'll, I'll go ahead and check that. Yeah, it was nuts. and uh, But Purdue was able to put the game away, hit some free throws late, and uh, ended up beating Penn State 77-73. So... The uh, Purdue Boilermakers are your Big Ten Tournament champions. Now, Houston got knocked off in their tournament. UCLA got beat Saturday night, the Pac-12 championship. And so the door was left open, and Purdue ends up being a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. I thought there were a few things that stood out for me. Number one, a lot of love for Florida Atlantic. They end up with a nine seed. Now, I thought they might be somewhere around a 12, maybe a 10, but they get a nine seed. 
They will take on the Memphis Tigers. And here's my dilemma, Adam. If Purdue wins game number one, and we expect them to as a number one seed, and Florida Atlantic defeats Memphis, game two on Sunday will be FAU versus Purdue. I got to pick a winner. Yeah, you do. I got to go with uh, either my home state team, the Purdue Boilermakers, or my adopted home team, the Florida Atlantic Owls, who I've talked about all year long. Kind of your darling. Yeah, yeah, my Cinderella, my darling, that I was sharing with the rest of our listeners and our audience because I said, keep an eye on this team when it you know comes tournament time because if you're looking for one of those Cinderellas, this might be it. Well, they end up drawing a tough first-round ma- uh, matchup because Memphis played really well in the uh, the tournament, and they were the ones that knocked off Houston. Uh, and so you've got uh, you've got FAU thirty-one and three against Memphis, who's now twenty-six and eight, and they would play Purdue in Columbus, Ohio, coming up on Sunday if both win their first-round games. Meanwhile, Duke. And Oral Roberts. Now, Oral Roberts was another team I said, keep an eye on them. Yeah. But I didn't want to see them have to play Duke. That's a 12-5 game, but I don't know that right now you could. I mean, Duke's played really well over the last month of the season. Yeah, I think this game could have a similar uh, vibe to the game that took place between Duke and uh, UCF. A couple years ago when they had Taco yeah, Fall. Yeah. I think it could be similar to that. And I think Oral Roberts can give them a game. But I, I think Duke's just too good. I mean, there is some tournament experience on Oral Roberts. A couple of guys that were around when yeah. they had their tournament run a couple of years ago. But uh, I, I don't know if that's going to be enough. Oral Roberts can put up points. They can shoot the three. But have they been defended by a team like Duke before? Well, And, and Duke historically hasn't been a great defensive team. But they've always been really good offensively. This team's a little bit of a different identity. Under Coach Shire, they seem to be more defensively focused. Right. This, this is a better defensive team than some of those in the past years with Duke. Uh, now, the other 12-5 you've got, VCU is a 12. That's a dangerous 12. I saw them play yesterday, and they just torched Dayton in the second half. Yeah. And they play St. Mary's, who I thought got a favorable seating at number 5. But VCU St. Mary's is a 12-5 matchup. Also, you've got Drake versus Miami of Florida as a 12-5. And then the other 12-5, which everybody likes to look at these 12-5s, Charleston. Man, that team can fly around. They can put up points. And they'll take on San Diego State, which, interestingly enough, they kind of hang their hat on defense. And so there you've got the matchup of San Diego State's defense against Charleston's High flying offense, so um, it 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 will be fun. But I nothing stands out for me on that twelve five line. It's like I've got to have that pick. Now the other one, thirteen and fours have actually been just about as uh, prone to upsets as twelve fives, and of course that might not bode well for Indiana, who has to take on a pretty good Kent State team. And Rob Senderoff, who used to be an assistant at IU under Kelvin Sampson. And, in fact, we'll ask Don Fisher about that. We'll talk more about the IU game coming up after the break because we've got Don Fisher coming up.
Yeah, I think one of the 13-4 matchups I'm looking forward to is going to be UConn taking on Iona in Albany, New York. Oh, Rick Pitino. Little uh, Northeast Coast matchup there. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and yeah, Pitino going up against uh, against UConn. That will be fun. And and that's a dangerous Iona team. Certainly uh, is. So, yeah, but it's a, but it's also a really good UConn team. So oh, that yeah. will be a fun matchup. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. The matchup that excites you the most out of the first round of games? Let us know. 46862. What is the one game you saw it come out and thought that's going to be a heck of a game? That's a must-see. Let us know what it is. 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Don't forget Cruzy Automotive Service. You can get that special oil change, just $19.90. And they also present each week our 15 minutes with fish. We've got that coming up for you next Right here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rupp along with Adam Lundy. Glad you're with us on this Monday. It is tourney week. That's right. So many people are going to have Thursday and Friday off, including us. Of course, we'll have wall-to-wall opening tip to final buzzer coverage of the NCAA tournament starting on Thursday. You can catch uh, games all day long, all night long. And, of course, the same thing coming up on Friday where you've got Indiana and Purdue both in action. And, of course, you want to watch the game, come out and join us at our 1380 The Fan Watch Party. We're doing it at Coyote Creek Bar and Grill right there on Hillegas Road. We'll be out there from 6 to 9 p.m. You can come out, hang with us, meet us, have a have a good chat, maybe get a drink or two, and watch uh, both Purdue and Indiana in action in the NCAA tournament. That is the Coyote Creek Bar and Grill 1380 The Fan Watch Party coming up this Friday night. Plan on being with us. Uh, Friday night from 6 to 9 p.m. And, of course, uh, you'll want to hang out because after 9 o'clock, you're going to enjoy the IU game, which has a late tip. And speaking of Indiana basketball, it is that time where we welcome our friend from the Indiana Hoosiers, the Hall of Fame legendary voice of Indiana football and basketball, Don Fisher. Our 15 minutes with Fish, always presented by Cruzy Automotive Service. Well, Don, before we talk about who Indiana is going to be playing coming up this Friday, which I think is a very intriguing matchup, but we, uh, we've we got to talk about the week that was. And, of course, the Big Ten tournament took place in Chicago at the United Center. Um, before we talk about the actual games, I do want to ask you about the facility because I know there were some issues about the concession workers being on strike at the final Bulls game a few days before. You've had a chance to experience different venues with this Big Ten tournament. What are the differences you notice as far as how the tournament is run, operated, attended, et cetera, in Chicago versus having that tournament in Indianapolis? Well, the biggest thing is in Indianapolis, you're right there. Everybody can get to the ballpark or to the to the arena uh, without much problem. You can walk to it in many cases from the hotels that are downtown Indianapolis. Uh, it's right there downtown, and it's so convenient for everybody uh, no matter who you are, whether you're an NCAA official, uh, a visiting team, a visiting fan, uh, it's right downtown. And it, there are some people that, that stay, you know, on the perimeters of the city, but most everybody can get in here. So there's no problems with hotels, places to eat, those kinds of things. It's all very conveniently uh, 
put together. At the United Center in Chicago, not the same story. There aren't any hotels out by the United Center. You literally have to be in downtown Chicago. That's where the hotels are located. Uh, you have to deal with traffic that's unbelievable. <laughs> and so all of those things play into it. The actual games themselves and the arena itself is not a bad situation. I, you know, I didn't see a lot of um, uh, people out there protesting or with signs or any of those kinds of things. Uh, so there wasn't any problem in that regard. But there's no parking that's close to the arena either in the sense of... Um, credentialed people and things like that if you actually have a parking pass uh, you're still walking a couple of blocks to get to the arena in chicago therefore it's just not as convenient it's that quite it's that simple and let's face it the weather's always better in southern indiana than it is in chicago <laughs> absolutely and uh and of course it makes it easier for the indiana fan base i thought indiana may have had as many fans there as anybody what was your take they did. I think Purdue was just as strong in, in that regard, but those two schools provided most of the fan base uh, for all of the ball games that were in Chi-Town this past week. Uh, and that's always a good sign, too. I mean, that's the one thing with Purdue uh, not being more than a couple hours away uh, from Chicago and Indiana, Indianapolis being about a three-hour drive, or Bloomington's a four-hour drive. But Literally, uh, it's not that inconvenient in that regard, so you can get there. Once you get to Chicago, though, the traffic is miserable. Don Fisher joining us here on the guest line. And, you know, Don, we only have so many minutes, and I'll use that as my excuse as to why we're going to blow right past the Maryland game because that was a win because we'd much rather talk about things that went wrong than things that went well. And so we're going to focus on this Penn State game where a number of things didn't go real well for the Hoosiers, including shooting the basketball. It's tough to, you know, it's tough to beat Penn State if you're not hit, matching them with three-pointers. And, and Indiana just could not shoot the ball very well. That's that old nemesis kind of coming back to haunt them a little bit on Saturday. Well, no question. Indiana was 2-14 from three-point land, and Penn State put up 26 three-pointers and knocked in, uh, or I take take back, 23 three-pointers and knocked in eight. So uh, there's a big differential there uh, uh, of points. And the other thing, uh, Penn State had Indiana down uh, a good number, about 10 points throughout most of the second half until Indiana went on that late run with full-court pressure that really kind of turned Penn State over. Um, I did ask Brian Walsh, who had the scout on that ball game, the assistant coach who had the scout, uh, as to why they didn't go to the full-court press earlier. And he said that's probably... Uh, good hindsight in that sense that we probably should have done that, but uh, they they did not, and it cost them. There's no question. But I think the big key in that ball game was the fact that Indiana just couldn't shoot the ball from the three-point line as effectively as Penn State did. Indiana did hit 47% for the ball game, and, and uh, uh, Penn State just 40%. But the three-point differential was huge. The free-throw shooting differential was just as big. Penn State had 26 free throws and knocked in 23. Indiana had 11. Did hit nine of them. But look at the differential there. Uh, just significant. And that means that Indiana just fouled too much in this ballgame. Trace Jackson Davis kind of mentioned it or alluded to it post-game. And I, I, I just wonder the feeling around the ball club. Miller Cop. Uh, three for nine, zero for three from three. You almost feel like the team expects Miller Cop to be that X factor, that guy that balances this offense, and he's got to be not only shooting the basketball, got to be making a few from three. You, you get that sense? Do you get that sense with the team? 
there's no question. Uh, I mean, Miller did hit three shots of the ball game, but they were mid-ranger drives to the basket, which she's been doing a little bit better with this year. But the three-point shot is his bailiwick. And the fact that he misses the first one, sometimes that is a bad sign for the rest of the ball game because he, then he becomes reticent to shoot it after he misses one, which is really a negative. Uh, you've got to be more confident in yourself in that regard. And you would think, as a senior... Uh, he certainly would have been, but he just didn't shoot it very well uh, and then became reticent to shoot it. He had three or more opportunities, uh, three or more after the, that those misses that he could have actually shot three-point shots and just did not do it. So, uh, again, that's, that's a problem that you try to solve throughout the season. Uh, it, it's been an ongoing problem for this basketball team. Uh, Tamar Bates did come in and knock in the only two threes that Indiana hit in that contest. He was two for five. And that's a good sign because he's played he played better in the in the Big Ten tournament, and he's been playing better even though he has not been as productive as you would like from a scoring perspective uh, late in the season. But he's gotten better here in the last couple of ball games, and hopefully that's a good sign for the NCAA tournament. Indiana will get a bit of a break, not playing until Friday. They get a lot of a break because they don't play until Friday night at about 9.50 p.m. And uh, a late wake-up call for Don Fisher on Friday night in Albany, New York. Uh, But it is Kent State. Uh, and th- this is uh, an intriguing matching matchup for a number of reasons, including uh, at coach. Well, Rob Senderhoff was an assistant under Kelvin Sampson and got himself in a little trouble back in the day with uh, Coach Sampson back in 2006-07 season. And uh, uh, then he went to Kent State. Well, I think that's where he went to college. I think he is a Kent State product. And Senderhoff then went there as an assistant coach, I think, for several years and then he became the head coach i think in 2011-12 he's been there ever since and they've not had a losing season since he's been there he has obviously done a terrific job with that program um and kent state this year is 28 and 6 uh, they knocked off toledo the top seed in the mac who did not get an, uh, another bid so they are the second place team in the league and uh, they are going to be a challenge. They are a terrific defensive team, more so than an offensive team, which will be, make it interesting to see how Indiana plays against this ball club. I, I think the one thing that they do have a lot more of than what Kent State has is size, physical size. And that will be a difference maker as well. But uh, anybody that's in this NCAA tournament and has won 28 games like Kent State has this year, you know you're going to be in for a battle. It's kind of interesting when I look at Indiana because you could say Indiana goes as far as Trace Jackson Davis takes them, or you could say Indiana goes as far as the role players take them. What is your perception? Well, I think both. Uh, there's no question. In this tournament, you have to have both. You've got to have guys that come off the bench uh, and guys that have a specific role for your basketball team. They've got to produce. It's a one-and-done scenario, just like it is in the Big Ten tournament, so Indiana knows exactly what they're about to face. Uh, I think that the biggest thing right now for this ball club is to get a little rest. I, I do think that they are still a tired team. Uh, I didn't think that they played tired in the Penn State ball game on Saturday, even though they played a game the day before and beat Maryland. I thought they played really well against the Terps. But the, at the same time, this is a basketball team that is a veteran ball club. They've had a, the big guys inside have played a lot of minutes this year. Thompson, of course, has had his injury problems, still is not 100% healthy, I don't believe. 
Uh, Malik Renew has gotten better here at the end of the season again, and I think he's done a solid job. His biggest problem is staying out of foul trouble. Um, and we de- we definitely have to see people step up and shoot the basketball better. Trey Galloway uh, really struggled in this tournament, did not play his best on the season. He was 0 for 4 from the field. Uh, against uh, Maryland. He was 0 for 3 in the contest against uh, Penn State. Got himself into some foul trouble in that ball game. Uh, I think he's a guy that needs to step up and really play some of his best basketball because when Indiana's played their best, it's because he has played so hard at the defensive end um, and done a really good job against whoever their top guard is. And I think he was missing that a little bit. And I think because he was physically wore out, uh, this is this rest will really affect him in a good way. Don, I want to ask your opinion on this because North Carolina turns down an opportunity to participate in the NIT. I get it if it's a pay-to-play tournament that some teams may not want to fork over the money. Or, uh, you know, if you're a mid-major, you've got to look at the situation you're in. But the NIT is now under the NCAA, and does the NCAA need to impose some type of punitive penalty, or should teams have that right to deny entry into the NIT? Well, speaking from Indiana's perspective, I think they should have that right to deny entry and to say we're not going to go. I really believe that. I don't think you should be forced to play if you don't want to play, if your team doesn't want to play, if the coaches don't want to coach in that event i don't think so uh, especially if it's a, you have to pay to play i mean that that doesn't make a lot of sense to say that they shouldn't uh, ha- uh be able to be allowed to turn it down so and indiana has turned it down before in fact a couple of times so in the last 10 years so uh, you, personally i believe that's the case I, I i really believe that they should have the opportunity to say no and uh, obviously north carolina doesn't want to do it uh, and, you know, I, 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 is it beneath them? I don't think that's the case. I think it's just the fact that maybe this team was wore out uh, because Indiana's been that way in the past as well. Don Fisher, always appreciate you joining us. Of course, uh, Terry Morin and the women, a number one seed. Not much time to talk about it, but it's going to be great to see their progress in this tournament as well. And it all gets started for the men on Friday night. And, of course, we've got your coverage right here on our sister station, Big 92.3. Don, uh, have a great week. Let's have a great tournament. Let's hope we got games to talk about next Monday. Absolutely. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Always. That is Don Fisher joining us on the guest line. It's our 15 Minutes with Fish presented by Cruzy Automotive Service. Of course, uh, Cruzy Automotive Service is the home of the $19.90 oil change. Be sure to get yours. Maybe you've got uh, synthetic oil. No problem. You could always go to Cruzy Automotive Service, get that oil change, and save $17 off the already low price of the synthetic oil change. That's Cruzy Automotive Service on Lima Road, north of Wall and south of Till, right behind the Shell gas station. We'll take a quick time out and be back. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Back on the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump with Adam Lundy, 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Coming up on Friday, we're going to be hanging out, watching NCAA basketball on all the TVs around the fine establishment at Coyote Creek Bar and Grill on Hillegas Road. Come on out and join Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny, Adam Lundy, and myself as we get all set for Purdue basketball, followed by IU basketball this Friday night, of course, plenty of drink specials, prizes for you to win, 
and just a chance to hang out and talk some sports, college basketball with us. We'll be there from 6 to 9 coming up Friday night at Coyote Creek Bar and Grill, Hillegas Road. Join us for our 1380 The Fan Watch Party. Also, uh, the brackets are up. Time to start filling them out. We've got ours already rolling. I don't know. Have you finished yours yet, Adam? Uh, I have. You've got yours finished and filed officially on the contest page? Because I'm working on mine, and I think I've got... Well, I don't have my contest page one. I've, I've got my physical bracket that I'm going to kind of transfer over okay. into the electronic one. But, yeah, I've, I've got a bracket ready because to go. Because everybody can see because they'll they'll post our brackets so you can see what we're picking. And, yeah. And I reserve the right to make changes up until the opening tip of game one because I may waffle like that. But <laughs> so far, I've uh, filled out a bracket, and there is one posted. I don't know if we've actually set up the VIP accounts where you can go in and look at my bracket and Caleb's bracket and Justin's bracket and your bracket. Right. But uh, eventually it should be set up that way. But the key is that we can't win the 1000 bucks, even though I'm sure one of the four of us would. Uh, it actually is available to our listeners, and you can sign up now for Bracket Bash 2023, brought to you by Coyote Creek Bar and Grill, Edding Insurance Agency, and Sweet Spot Golf. And you can get signed up, $1,000 on the line. It is free to register. And just uh, make your picks, bracket form, online, and good luck. So might as well get signed up. It's at 1380thefan.com, Bracket Bash 2023 from 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. What would you think about this decision by North Carolina? Tar Heels didn't have the year they expected to have. They were obviously expecting that this would be a NCAA tournament team, that this might even be an NCAA tournament team that could compete for a national championship, and they fell very flat of those goals. It was a disappointment. Yes, you get that. But they don't accept the bid to the NIT. And, you know, I get it a little bit because you have teams that are in no frame of mind When you have a lot of senior players that have basically decided, no, when I felt the pain of that last loss, it's too much to overcome. Knowing that we weren't going to make it to the NCAA tournament, I don't want to have to feel like I've got to motivate myself for practice. I've got to motivate myself to go and play NIT games. But I'm also of a belief that the NCAA needs to impose punitive fines and you heard me ask Don Fisher about this I think if the NCAA is going to control the NIT that if they invite a team to be part of that field the team shouldn't say no I wanted to be in the NCAA and if you'd have picked me there I'd have played but since you just picked me for the NIT I'm not interested and I'm like you know what I think the best resolution is is give teams the right to say no. But if they do, they pay a penalty. In other words, you've been given a bid. You can reject it. $25,000. Thank you very much for your, uh, you know, your, your check and you can move on. But I, I think in some way the NCAA has to step in and say, look, we want to have the best, most competitive tournaments with the best remaining teams that didn't make it into the NCAA, and it's nothing against your team that you fell short. It's actually 
because of your team, you fell short. You've got to hold yourself accountable. And in some ways, this is a learning lesson that if you don't perform to the level you're expected to, maybe the consequences are you don't play in the tournament that you were hoping to play in. But it doesn't mean you don't try to compete and continue your season representing your school when you've got that opportunity to do so. Again, I don't think there's a way to force them to play, and I don't think you want to do that with a team that doesn't want to participate. But I do think the NCAA has to have some enforcement to motivate teams to play in the NIT. And, And look at Michigan. Michigan, they're playing. Rutgers, they're obviously disappointed. They've got a veteran team. They expected a lot more than to play in the NIT, and they accepted. Wisconsin, a perennial NCAA tournament team, they accept it. They're all going to be part of the NIT field. But North Carolina, apparently it's beneath them, and they chose not to participate. And like I said, I don't think you force a team that absolutely is against participating because then they'll just show up, they'll tank a game, and move on. But, But I do think there has to be some type of penalty involved if you make that decision. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Also, this probably newsworthy or noteworthy that the Horizon League did get two teams in the CBI field, and Detroit Mercy is not one of them. The season officially over for the Detroit Mercy Titans and the career officially over for Antoine Davis. He finishes up his college career three points short of the Pistol Pete Maravich all-time scoring mark. Apparently, wiser heads prevailed. Somebody stepped in and said, you can't reward the team. Therefore, taking a spot in this tournament from a team that deserves it, just because Antoine Davis has had 150 games in his career to break this record and give him 151st. And so they are not going to be part of the CBI But uh, the Milwaukee Panthers and the Cleveland State Vikings are both going to participate in this year's CBI down in Daytona Beach tournament that the Mastodons had the invite to last year. It's a very, very enjoyable tournament to participate in. And it's probably even more enjoyable if you don't lose your first game. Yeah. Because then you get stuck on a plane heading home (laughs) when it would be nice to be able to stay in Daytona as long as possible. But especially we get this weird weather like we've had today. Uh, but uh, but anyway, among the other teams in that field, Indiana State is the number one seed in the CBI. And Stetson, with Jalen Blackman and Luke Brown, they also have been invited to the CBI. They're part of the 16-team field uh, that will converge on Daytona Beach coming up later this week. Play in the CBI is going to be on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, of course, in the Big Ten, you've got only eight teams that made it. And Michigan, Rutgers, Wisconsin, all holding out hopes that maybe they would hear their name called. They did not get called. As we said, they're all in the NIT. Oh, and speaking of the NIT, Youngstown State caught a break. I don't know if you saw this, but the Horizon League regular season champ who didn't win the tournament gets an automatic bid into the NIT. Youngstown State is matched up against Oklahoma State, who was given a number one seeding, which means they were the host team against Youngstown State. Only one problem. The arena in Stillwater is apparently not available to Oklahoma State. And so 
Youngstown State is actually getting a home game out of the NIT in the first round. And on Wednesday, Oklahoma State will visit the Beagley Center in Youngstown and take on the Youngstown State Penguins. So what an environment that'll be. Big break for the uh, for the Penguins coming up on Wednesday. We'll take a quick time out, come back. Plenty more on the way. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball coach John Coughlin, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Go Dons! What I miss with the NIT is the old days where it was an opportunity to make amends for a bad season, for a season that fell short of expectations, and you could go to the NIT, you could actually win a title, you could cut down nets, and you could then have your name in the history books as a, quote, champion even though you may have had a disappointing season. Instead, those seasons now end with nothing. That'll do it for today's edition of the Sports Rush. Thanks to Shane Alberani, voice of the Comets, also voice of the Indiana Hoosiers Hall of Fame legend Don Fisher, our 15 minutes with Fish. We'll be back tomorrow. More talk on the NCAA tournament here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.